0: Nerds and historians. My name is Christina, and this is Effed Up Historical True Crime. I, I don't know. Uh, this is where we talk about a little tidbit from a true crime case. That's super fucked up. I am so excited. I have done a couple true crime cases before now, um, but now I'm going to work them into my rotation. I love true crime. I watch it a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts about true crime. Um, But a lot of the time I find that most of the true crime cases that I watch and listen to and that just get covered in general – are typically from like the last 50 years or so, typically within the last 20 years or so. And I like listening to it, but I can't read and research that kind of crime. Cause I have anxiety along with a slew of other mental health issues that aren't uh, like, we're not going to talk about that today, but I'm like already afraid of being murdered. And if you tell me that like in 2019, there was a murderer in Massachusetts, then I'm going to think that everyone is a murderer in Massachusetts. So when I was thinking about the type of true crime that I wanted to cover So when I was thinking about like the true crime cases that I would like to cover, that was definitely a factor, obviously, but I'm also just like fascinated by old cases that aren't typically covered. And and I always think when I read and hear these cases like, oh, that would never happen today because but like these people would have never gone free. Like Jack the Ripper would have been found if he did it today, most likely. So the historical true crime cases that I'll be doing will be like pre-1950, pre-1900 for as long as I can. At least that's my plan for this year. And this case that we're talking about goes way back. Today, we'll be talking about Dame Alice Keidler, the witch of Kilkenny. So sit back, relax and practice your, oh, good God, what the fuck faces. <laughs> Alice Keidler was born in Kilkenny, Ireland in 1263, although that is disputed among some sources. But in the rest of my research, it makes the most sense saying that she was born in 1263. So yeah, we're going way back. And that's why it's kind of hard to find like concrete information. I don't have access to all of the historical records because they are in Ireland. And I'm not flying to Ireland, just for this true crime case, <laughs> when I don't even make money off of this podcast yet. So these are all things that I found off of the internet. Regardless, she was born over 750 years ago. And with that, it's hard to know, like what exactly of her case is propaganda, and what exactly is truth. So this whole case is kind of like fun and fantastical, but we're gonna try and stick as close to the truth as possible. Her parents were merchants from Belgium that moved to Ireland after the Norman conquest. She was an only child, so when her father died when she was a young woman, she inherited a lot of his money and property, which is awesome for her, especially for the time. Like when I think about medieval and Renaissance time periods, even to like the Victorian time period, I always think of the, the male primogeniture primogeniture however you pronounce that word where like the oldest male heir gets everything even if he was like a distant cousin or something which by the way I didn't know was still a thing until like 10 years ago in England so um that is only very recently not the case in England and all of like the UK anymore so that's fun the misogyny is is coming from inside the house when Alice was a teenager she married her first husband William Outlaw he was an associate of her father's and he was about 20 years older than her he was very wealthy he was a merchant but he was also a moneylender. together they had one son also named William and I couldn't find when he was born in the limited research that I found but he was declared an adult in 1303 And that tells me that he was probably born around the mid-1280s or so, a couple years after they were married. He was actually pretty successful. There are records that say that he was the mayor of Kilkenny at some point, and that he helped her with all of her businesses and finances, even after her husband died. Her first husband, William, he died around the year 1300 or so, leaving Alice and their son all of his money and property and businesses. I read that at one point they had upwards of $3,000, which doesn't sound like a lot. But during that time period, a yearly wage was $3. So could you imagine? Like, I'm pretty sure that my husband spent more on my coffee this morning at Dungan Donuts. (laughs) One of the businesses that she opened that her son helped her run was an inn called Keidler's Inn. And it's still actually in operation today. You can go there for some sumptuous supper. I told my husband, like we're planning on trying to go to Europe... I mean, when COVID is no longer a thing, so probably like in 20 years because nobody wants to get vaccinated and nobody wants to wear a mask. But actually, Kyler Den still stands. So we've actually put that on our agenda for when we do go to Ireland, because that just sounds like so much fun. Now, it's said that Alice's Inn was a place of merrymaking and good cheer and people would come from all over. It's also said that Alice may have been a little bit of a flirt and that wealthy men would come to Alice's Inn to shower her with gifts and get a little bit of her affections and perhaps other things a little attention from Alice I mean who knows I mean her husband was significantly older than her I think it's most likely safe to assume that their marriage was not based on love you know so I'm not gonna judge this bitch sounds smart as fuck for the time period that she is in and like more power to you in 1302 she married her second husband Adam LeBloon's who was also a merchant and a moneylender. Very, very wealthy. The same year, they were both actually briefly accused of killing her first husband, but nothing actually came of it. But just like in Salem uh, and like the witch trials that happened in Salem, sometimes things that happen earlier in someone's life can come back to bite them later on, but we'll get to that. So in 1307, five years after they got married, he did something called quit claiming to Alice's son, William. Now that meant that he handed over everything that he owned and canceled any debts that William may have owed him, which was a little weird because he had children of his own from another marriage. So like, why was he giving all of his money and his goods and his businesses to his wife's son and not leaving any for his own children? A little suspicious, but I don't know, uh, But a few years later... Around 1309, 1310 or so, Adam Leblonde died mysteriously after a, quote, drinking spree. But our girl Alice was not single for long because later that year she married her third husband, Richard Duvall, who was a wealthy landlord who owned a lot of property. But poor Alice can get no break. And this husband died strangely around 1316 out of nowhere in the prime of his life after consuming a, quote, sumptuous supper. Poor Alice She was so distraught because her stepson was withholding all the money that she was supposed to get when her husband died. So she took him to court to take back what was lawfully hers, the only thing remaining of her dear, poor, unfortunate husband. Poor Alice, poor rich Alice, poor rich widowed Alice, poor rich widowed Alice, whose husbands all died under mysterious circumstances. Now, if you're saying, "Uh, Christina, this all sounds a little suspicious, you are not alone. In 1320, Alice married her fourth husband, Sir John Lepore. Yes, yes. He was a fucking knight. And with that marriage, she became Dame Alice Keideler. Now, it's said that he was a patron of her inn and that he would go there very often and be charmed by the lovely and beautiful widow when, when she was left single again because her poor husbands just could not stop dying under mysterious circumstances. He swooped in. Now, now... That same year, 1320, is identified by a lot of historians who study witchcraft, specifically European witchcraft, as a turning point. That year, 1320, Pope John Twenty Second received reports of ritual magic that were happening in France. The people were turning to him and asking what they should do, and he clarified that year that magic was heresy. Now, about 100 years beforehand, the Inquisition did start. So by Pope John the 22nd saying that and passing those decrees, it gave Inquisitors the power to start targeting and prosecuting those who were said to be practicing sorcery, which is important for later happenings in this story. So within a few years of them getting married, Sir John starts getting sick. He really wasn't that old, but he started getting like really weak feeble and slow his hair turns gray and starts falling out as do his fingernails and he seems like he is dying he's dying in a way that is oddly familiar to symptoms of arsenic poisoning but while he is dying he updates his will leaving all of his property and money and businesses to alice and her son William, leaving his children from previous marriages with barely anything. And let me tell you, this story has been so dramatic and juicy, and we have not even fucking started. So in 1324, he started suspecting his wife of causing his illness. And he had gone to some of the officials in town and told them that he suspected his wife of nefarious activities. And when some of her stepchildren from her multiple marriages heard that this accusation was going around, they also accused her of nefarious activities and said that she was a witch. Now, this became the first official witch accusation in Ireland. So her stepchildren went to Bishop Richard de La Drede of Ossory. He was from France. And this Pope that I mentioned, John 22, was actually based out of France and not Rome, like where we associate the Pope with now. So because of that, the bishop most likely trained under the Pope himself, the same Pope that established that witchcraft was heresy and can be punishable by death. There are some people who think that this bishop was trying to win favor with this witch-hating pope and, and trying to like make a big name for himself. So when these accusations came forward about the wealthiest woman in Kilkenny, if not one of like the wealthiest women in all of Ireland, being a witch, the angels parted the clouds and sang down unto him. So Bishop Richard de La of Ossery made seven indictments against Alice, her son William, and some of the people who worked at the inn with her. So these accusations included that Alice and her accomplices denied God and the church and didn't do their Christian duties, that they sacrificed animals, specifically roosters, to Robert Artisan, who was a demon. Alice and her associates were also accused of sacrificing other animals to him as well and alice was accused of having sexual relations with him they were also accused of being fortune tellers parodying religious ceremonies at night by candlelight making potions out of rooster intestines certain horrible worms herbs nails of a dead man hair brains of unbaptized children all boiled in the skull of a robber over an oak fire Then possessing these potions were a different accusation. These potions and powders are said to have been found by her fourth husband. And that is how he knew he was being poisoned and bewitched. So the bishop brought forth all of these accusations and ordered for Alice to be arrested as a witch. And then after that, he excommunicated her from the church. But Dame Alice Keidler ended up having him arrested for defaming her and thrown into prison for 17 days. And then during this time, Alice was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get the fuck out of here right now. And she left Kilkenny to go stay with her brother-in-law from her first marriage for a little bit. When Bishop de la Dread of Assery got out of prison, he was like, oh. Well, that didn't work. So I'm going to write to the Chancellor of Ireland, which is like the highest judicial office of Ireland at this time, up until literally like a 100 years ago. Um, and he wrote that Alice was a witch and she needed to be arrested. And I need your aid to do that because people in the town really like her because she's so rich. And while he's waiting to hear back, he put the entire city of Kilkenny under lockdown and no one was allowed to leave or enter. And he summons Alice's son, William Outlaw, to court. So the chancellor received this letter, but unfortunately for Bishop de La of Ossory things didn't turn out how he wanted to because the chancellor of Ireland was a man named Roger Outlaw, Alice's brother from her first marriage that she was staying with for a while when she escaped from Kilkenny so he told the bishop that he needed to stop and he needed to lift the lockdown and then the bishop accused roger outlaw the chancellor of ireland of harboring heretics and being sympathetic to witches so at this point alice had already like gone back to Kilkenny because she feels like the bishop no longer has a leg to stand on and literally the highest judge in the land isn't on his side but this does not stop bishop richard de la of ossory a few days later he busts into the court in like his full bishop regalia with a posse of friars at his side like fucking hype men and he is forcefully ejected from the court but he comes back again and is like i'm putting all these people who think i who i think are witches under citizens arrest and he is then forcefully removed from court again but he just keeps at it and eventually alice was arrested and imprisoned in the dungeons of Kilkenny Castle. Roger, her brother-in-law and chancellor, actually orchestrates her escape. The guards that were looking after her were beaten by Richard's men, and then she fled to England with her maid's daughter, Basilia. But this still did not stop Bishop de Lidred of Austria. So he threw William, Alice's son, in prison for nine weeks. William was charged with heresy... Ursary, which is like making unfair loans to people. Uh, perjury, adultery, and clericide, the killing of a clergyman. And then the bishop continued on through everyone that Alice knew and worked with. Unfortunately, this all ended really negatively when Alice's maid, Petronella de Meath, was arrested. I'm curious if she was specifically targeted because Alice fled with her daughter, which most likely meant that Petronella was especially important to Alice. Bishop de la Dredd of Osry was treating this whole trial and the interrogations like the Inquisition. And one of the things that was really popular during the Inquisition was torture. So Petronilla was tortured until she started saying what the bishop wanted to hear, which was that Petronilla participated in orgies and sacrifices to Robert Artisan and that Alice Keidler was the most vile and wicked sorceress to ever exist. Bishop de la Drede of Ossery actually recalled one of her confessions later on and wrote, quote, On one of these three occasions by the crossroads outside the city, she had made an offering of three roosters to a certain demon who she called Robert, son of art, from the depths of the underworld. She had poured out the cock's blood, cut the animals into pieces and mixed the intestines with spiders and other black worms like scorpions with an herb called milfoil, which was most likely yarrow as well as with other herbs and horrible worms. She boiled this mixture in a pot with the brains and clothes of a boy who had died without baptism and with the head of a robber who had been decapitated. Petronella said that she had several times at Alice's instigation and once in her presence, consulted demons and received answers. She had consented to a pack whereby she would be the medium between Alice and the said Robert, her friend. In public, she said that with her own eyes, she had seen the aforesaid demon as three shapes in the form of three black men, each carrying an iron rod in the hand. The apparition happened by daylight. Before the said Dame Alice. And while Petronella herself was watching, the apparition had intercourse with Alice. After this disgraceful act, with her own hand, she wiped clean the disgusting place with sheets from her own bed. End quote. There are also reports of Alice sacrificing nine roosters and peacocks to Robert Artisan and then sweeping the town between nightly prayers and twilight, ending at her son William's door. And while she did this, she would say, quote, to the house of William, my son, high all the wealth of Kilkenny town. So after this report that Petronilla made, and after all these confessions, she was excommunicated from the church and burned alive at the stake on November 3rd, 1324. So while Alice was the first person to be accused of being a witch and often called the Witch of Kilkenny, Petronilla was the first to be executed as one in Ireland. William Outlaw was released from prison. He was sentenced to attend mass three times a day, restore the church in Kilkenny, and give food to the poor for a year. And then, once that was up, he was allowed to go back to his life. Alice is not mentioned again in any record. She fled to England and then sort of just like disappears. So we don't really know what happened to her. But I did find one story from Clapdale Castle in Clapham in North Yorkshire of a Dame Alice Kettle or Kietle, uh, spelled very similarly to Keidler. And she is known as the Witch of Clapham. Now, this story takes place in the 1400s during the Hundred Years' War, so the timeline is a little shoddy, but story goes that Alice Keitel lives. In a little cottage at the foot of a hill and she was foster mother to a man named John de Clapham who lived at Clapdale Castle. He was having a hard time and was trying to rise against the Yorks in support of the Lancaster cause during the war and he persuaded her to use her magical powers to aid him in raising an army. So between evening prayers and curfew, she would sweep dust towards the castle and say, quote, into the house of john my son high all the wealth of clapham town and then at midnight she was to sacrifice nine roosters and place them in a circle around her while standing on the bridge and calling to a demon that she worked with named robin artisan After she did this, John was mysteriously supplied with 500 troops and money to support his cause. And with this army and in repayment to Alice and all of her help, he beheaded all of the York leaders that he could find at Banbury Church. And he did this as repayment to Alice because the Yorks had executed her son, William. But soon after this, John was captured by the Yorks for committing such a heinous crime in the house of the Lord. He was beheaded. And then Alice was taken prisoner. She was taken to the Lancasters and tried before the Irish Bishop of Offery. She was sentenced to restore the church of Clapham. And later on, when she died, she was able to be buried in holy ground. So weird similarities. This is a ghost story that's told at Clapdale Castle from what I've found, um, where they tell like the whole little story. And then they say, and her ghost still haunts the halls even today. But like strange similarities between Dame Alice Keideler of Ireland and this Alice Keitel. So you have her name first off, Keitel versus Keideler. Even though her name in England is pronounced differently, um, it's spelled really similarly. So Keitel is spelled K-E-T-Y-L-L and then Keideler is K-Y-T-E-L-E-R. And England. She was working with Robin Artisan compared to Robert Artisan. She has a son named William in both. And then you have the Bishop of Offery with an F in England versus Ossery with an S in Ireland. There are also similarities in the spells that she would do. Although in Ireland, it was for her son, William, whereas in England, it was for her foster son, John. And then her son, William, had to restore the church in Ireland, whereas in England, she was one who did it. So there are definitely similarities Maybe she went to Yorkshire and then the story just sort of like, you know, got jumbled with the timeline, you know, unless she was like over 200 years old, but that's the story that's told at Clopjaw Castle. Except, just like so many other ghost stories, the foundation is just malarkey. There is no record of an Alice Keedle or John de Clapham or her son William in Yorkshire. There's also no record of a trial of an Alice Ketel before the Bishop of Offery. So it seems like the people at Clapham Castle were really inspired by the story of Alice Keideler and then incorporated her into the Clapdale mythology and folklore. So this is why I have an issue with ghost stories and ghost tours. But like, it's still all good fun to go to it. It's still all good fun to like have an experience and stuff. But like always take ghost tours with a grain of salt. So that is a story of the Witch of Kilkenny and possibly how her ghost lived on in Yorkshire over a hundred years after her escape from her execution. But honestly, the real tragedy of the story that tends to be overlooked because Alice Keideler and her her fight with the bishop is like so dramatic and so like juicy, um, that people tend to overlook the real tragedy, which is the real execution of Petronilla, which is the first convicted witch of Kilkenny. Now, in my personal opinion, I don't think that Alice was a witch. I don't think that witches existed like how they try to make it out to be. I don't think that they would commune with demons or anything. I don't even believe that demons exist. If you do, more power to you, but I am too skeptical for that stuff. But I do think that Alice Keidler may have possibly been a serial killer who was killing her husbands and uh, taking all of their money and property and businesses after their death. Uh, I do very much think that that is true. Uh, I do very much think that she was profiting off of her husband's deaths and uh, that her son William was most likely helping her with everything. So... Thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you heard and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing to my podcast, leaving a review or joining my Patreon or or even just keep listening. I I appreciate you all in any way, shape or form. If you have a story from history, mythology or historical true crime pre-1950 that you'd like to hear me cover, please reach out. All my contact information is in the description. And remember friends, history may be watching you. So don't fuck it up. Bye.